I don't think this is normal for eight-year-olds, but like I read Time Magazine cover to cover every week when it came in. My, you know, nine-year-old Christmas was subscriptions to Newsweek and Time and The Economist and a few other like political magazines. Um, and I, like I watched the conventions. Um, I, I just became a political nut. Welcome to the Founders Couch. This is a show about Stanford student founders and their intrepid journeys of starting their own thing. I'm your host, Katherine Jang. I'm super excited for this episode today because we'll be talking to one of my close friends, Maddie McConkie. But who exactly is she? Well, Maddie is a junior here at Stanford studying public policy. I had no idea about this until a couple weeks ago, but she founded a political campaign consulting company called LMM Political last year. At age 21, she's advised six political candidates in Minnesota, has managed three campaigns, and was on a youth advisory board for the Minnesota Governor, Department of Education and Legislature. Now, I can't wait to dive into this and learn about how Maddie came to found LMM and where this passion for local government came from. So let's get her on the couch. Maddie, welcome to the couch. (laughs) Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for coming on the show. So uh, quick caveat out there for all our listeners. Maddie and I are actually good friends, so I'm super pumped to have her on the show. It'll be great to have her perspective on the company that she recently founded last year. Um, So Maddie, you've talked to me a little bit about it, but what would you say your company does in a couple few words? Yeah, so um, I founded a uh, comprehensive campaign management and political consulting firm based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I'm from. It's called LMM Political for no reason other than those are my initials. And it's a political consulting company. And um, yeah. What was your motivation to start this? Yeah. So I um, really have a passion about local government in Minnesota. And I've been working on Minnesota House of Representative campaigns since the 2014 cycle. So I was 16 at the time, junior in high school. Um, And then I managed a re-election campaign for a candidate in 20, the 2016 cycle. And in the 2018 cycle, so around October of 2017, um, I was talking to, advising, supporting, and kind of talking about working for about four different Minnesota House of Representative candidates. And I figured at this point, um, I want to be paid. And the way I operate is I like to have a bunch of um, paid interns that I manage over the summer. And the best way to do that um, from a campaign finance perspective is to have a political consulting firm. So the campaign pays the consulting firm and then I pay myself and interns. And so this passion for local government in Minnesota actually started quite young, right? You mentioned you were eight years old. Tell me yeah. about that story. Yeah. So um, I was born in 1998. So I was like eight me too. or nine. I was eight or nine during the 2007 primaries between Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. And I didn't really have a candidate of choice, but I was fascinated by the process. Um, And I don't think this is normal for eight-year-olds, but like I read Time Magazine cover to cover every week when it came in. My, you know, nine-year-old Christmas was subscriptions to Newsweek and Time and The Economist and a few other like political magazines. Um... And I, like I watched the conventions, um, I I just became a political nut, um, and was this the same way through middle school and um, into well into high school. This passion started off quite young, 
and you decided that you wanted to get paid, you wanted to be able to pay people who were working for you, so you decided to turn this into an actual financial business. During that process of actually turning it into a business, who did you talk to to figure out like the legal and the finance part of it? Yeah, so uh, one of the candidates that I was planning on working for, I worked for him in 2014, 2016, and I was going to manage his 2018 campaign, actually decided last February not to run for re-election. Um, and that was obviously a very tough time because he's been a good uh, mentor for a long time, but he is also a practicing lawyer. And so as a um, sort of trade for letting me down and, you know, not letting me run his re-election campaign in serving Minnesota, I asked for his help and support in setting up um, a basic LLC corporation. Um, and it's not a corporation. It's an LLC, which is, you know, not a corporation. <laughs> but right. um, yeah, so I uh, there was like a fee and some paperwork to fill out. And then um, I had to figure out how in uh, Minnesota, like political finance regulations, um, I could be paid and then pay my interns and, you know, try to minimize the taxes that I was going to pay because of that and the forms and stuff that everybody had to fill out. Mm -hmm. Obviously, a lot of your business work is centered around, you know, helping candidates, you know, run their political campaigns, right? So... What is that process like? Like what what's involved in a campaign typically? Yeah. So um, usually a candidate announces that they're going to run about like a year before the election or thinks about it and starts raising money. Um, and then they get endorsed in the spring by the local Democratic chapter. And hopefully that that goes smoothly. But sometimes that goes to a primary, which happens midsummer. Um, and then the election is obviously in November. So the vast majority of campaign season is from about June 1st through early November. And it involves um, fundraising so that you can get lawn signs and advertisements on TV um, and digital ads um, and then building a big volunteer network. Um, to go and you break down Minnesota House Representative districts are about 44,000 people. Um, only about 24,000 are like voting adults. So um, you break it down by neighborhood and those are called precincts. And then within each precinct, you break it down basically by block. And those are uh, what we call turfs, which is basically a map of the different houses that you would go to um, that we would target on a given night. And so we um, most of the districts I worked in are pretty 50-50 Democrat to Republican split. So the only houses that we're cutting out from those walking sheets are really, 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 really conservative people or people who have never voted and will never vote. Um, and we do all that targeting from the general Democratic um, database, which has a lot of information about different people, from what magazines they subscribe to, to... Um, how often they vote, where they vote, things like that. And then if any de Democratic volunteer has knocked on their door in the past five years, I can see the comments that they wrote there. So we talked about this, their dog's name is this, whatever, um, things like that. Mm. So you mentioned that running a campaign involves, you know, going and doing the fundraising and also going and knocking on people's doors. So the interns you hired, they're more involved in the second part of the process, right? Yeah. So um, last summer I had about 20, 25 um, interns who w would come out two, three, four days a week um, and help us door knock. Um, 
And then I had two more full-time interns or uh, assistant campaign managers, whatever mm-hmm. title is you know best for them. Um, but they were more full-time and they helped with different aspects. So they helped with a lot of social media content development. They helped with um, planning and exe- executing fundraising parties. So basically every single neighborhood of the district, somebody ho- will host a little house party and the candidate will come and a bunch of the neighbors and friends will come and then the candidate gets to talk about herself for a couple, maybe 15 minutes and answer a bunch of questions and walks out with a bunch of checks, which is super helpful. Um, but those interacting with and planning those house parties is really time intensive. So my team did that as well. And in terms of your interns and these employees that you hired, how did you even recruit these people? Yeah, so we went through a couple of channels, often uh, friends of the candidate and their kids would want to be interested. I reached out to a bunch of civically minded um, high school students that I know from my network, local high schools, and then oftentimes, sometimes just people would um, use the contact form on the website and be like, hi, I'm a high school student, how can I help? So it ended up being mostly high school students, a few college students, um, and honestly, they are some of the best volunteers that that you can have because they're, you know, in general, like clean cut, polite, um, you know, they, they really know their stuff about the candidate because they've come out so often to volunteer. They um, and also just door knocking and, and working on a campaign is a great way to grow as a young person. That's how I think I'd um have grown and developed a lot by working on campaigns and so it's been really awesome to see some of those people that I met last June um, become just get out of their shell more become a little bit more adult interact with rooms of adults in in better ways because they've talked to so many people on the campaign trail so one of my interns actually um, was one of the main speakers at a Students Against Gun Violence rally at the Minnesota State Capitol the other day, Um, and I was very, very proud to watch her do that. Oh, I bet. And these interns, do they go through some sort of training to know, like, how to door knock, how to, you know, approach people to have them Yeah, the first couple weeks of door knocking is... um, you know, lots of this is how you do it. Like we, you know, we wrote it out. We practice in, you know, this driveway one day. We would walk around and door knock in groups. So like six of us would show up at somebody's door. Um, And it's a lot of getting used to it because it is, you know, not necessarily your neighborhood or not necessarily the most comfortable place to be. And you have a list and you've got, you know, the address of a house and you've got to go knock on the door. Um, And even if that, you know, porch is kind of scary or you know there's an RA sticker on the door whatever's <laughs> going on um you, you know I think you you gain a lot of confidence and you gain you kind of overcome some fears so I do that day after day after day oh yeah I bet so what does a typical door knock look like if you had to do it right here like me knocking on your door yeah um so knock 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 knock, knock. knock. and then the interns would say hi my name is Maddie I'm volunteering for ex-candidate this afternoon. Um, I um, am a high school student. I'm really passionate about working for this person because um, I really care about the future of the Minneapolis city parks Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever issue they're passionate about. Um, Do you have 
have you heard of her? Mm, that okay. that was the I main see. question. Um, in general, name recognition is a really big deal in Minnesota local politics, and the candidate with the highest name recognition usually wins. So, what lawn signs are great for that, but also so it's just not having high school kids knock on your door and be like, "Have you heard of her? Like, can I give you a flyer? Mm-hmm. Can I do you have any questions about her? Things like that." So, our main goal over the summer was we wanted every person, every voter, to know her name by the end of the summer, and then when we all went back to college or high school. Um, we ramped up our main volunteering efforts and we had tons of active volunteers come out every afternoon and when they would go back to the door and somebody's been there two or three times that summer, they know, they go, of course I know who she is. Like, Mm. I, you know, either I'm, you know, they can engage with the adult a little bit more about, um, exactly what their concerns are or what issues matter most to them. Um, and it was definitely like we opened the door for the candidate in every voter's mind. And then um, our adult volunteers like um, delivered the vote, if mm, that makes sense. I see. What are some of the types of receptions you guys get from door knocking? Most people are super nice, even if they don't necessarily agree. I think you have to be a particularly mean-spirited person to be rude to a nice-looking high school kid who shows mm-hmm. up on your door trying to be do some public service and be civically engaged. Um, and so the vast majority of people, again, only about 25% of people are home on a given night. Mm. So three out of every four doors you knock, you just kind of leave the flyer there. And then when people are home, the vast majority of people are polite and uninterested or polite and interested or, you know, just want to move on with their night. But, you know, most people aren't rude. Mm-hmm. And do you guys do any sort of tracking in terms of, oh, this person opened their door, they said they would vote. This person opened their door, they said they might not vote for this person. How does that work? Exactly, yeah. So there, again, we use this um, Minnesota Democratic database. We have access to it. Um, and we track if they open their door, um, if the right person opened their door. If we're Maybe we're looking for both people in the house. Maybe we're only looking to target one of the people in the house. Um, and so we, you know, we kind of get a feel whether or not how receptive they are. Um, closer to the end of the summer, we started asking, have you heard of her? Are you planning on voting for her? Um, and so, you know, people would answer and we would record answers and we would write little notes. So what, who's, what their dog is named or whatever. And then the candidate would come by two weeks later and look at our note and knock on the door and the dog would come out and she'd be like, hi buddy, how's it going? And they were like, how do you know my dog's name? And (laughs) And she was like, oh, I was here. Like my volunteer was here. Um, It creates that personal connection. Exactly. How many people have you consulted for if you had to tag a number to it? Six, five or wow. six okay. campaigns. What do you think is the best part of running a campaign? I love door knocking. And that is a hot take. Most people in politics like despise it. Like Campaigning is a part of their job that they don't like doing. I'm the opposite. I absolutely love just the highs and the lows of going to random neighborhoods and knocking on people's doors and trying to engage with them about civic issues. Um, Again, probably because most people are nice. It's a positive experience. Um, You get thanked a lot for being engaged. Um, But I really love it. I mean, I get to be outside. I uh, meet nice people. All the other volunteers who end up working on campaigns are really great, nice people who have become fantastic mentors um and so i love that part and that you know actual door knocking is usually every candidate's least favorite part but it's my favorite part Mm. and how do you think door knocking has helped grow you as a person if it has i mean you just like learn to have a little bit thicker skin 
so you you talk to people who you think might be scary or you know maybe uh their whole property smells like cigarette smoke mm. or um you know maybe the paint is chipping off their door um or the house is just like different than you were expecting um and uncomfortable and you end up meeting people and even if the people aren't nice or even if the people are kind of creepy like you had a conversation with them you shook their hand um and you know all those people are voters right and so their vote matters equally um and their opinion matters equally in our government and it's i think you grow a lot and learn a lot by just talking to people about what matters to them for sure so we've covered you know what you think is the best part of running a campaign what are some of the biggest challenges that you face in that process Yeah. So I think anytime you start a business, I think you need to be passionate about actually running that business. Um, And that was something I I thought that, you know, my main job was going to be working on this campaign and managing interns and doing that. Um, And the business side of things would just be like, you know, a side thing. It's basically it was supposed to be a shell corporation for it to make funding and getting paying interns and paying a bunch of people on a campaign way easier. Um, And it ended up actually being a lot of work. So I had to worry about starting my business and, you know, getting my IRS number and filing business taxes and tracking all my deductions and paying everybody and making sure everybody's checks went through and that they cashed their checks and, you know, contracts between LMM Political and the campaign. And that all ended up being, I guess, a lot of work that I am not super passionate about. Um, And I think if I were to do this again in the future, um, I would want to bring on, we joke here at Stanford, but, you know, bring on somebody for the business side. (laughs) (laughs) Got the technical side, the political side, the business side. You got to have all components. Exactly. So what would you say are the top two or three things you've learned from starting LMM Political? Yeah, I mean, biggest uh, learning lessons is that um, I at Stanford, I think because of tech culture and being in Silicon Valley, I'm really fascinated by organizational growth and and management and development. My favorite class at Stanford, I know you might ask this later, is MSNE 180, which is organizational theory and management, um, and how organizations best work. And I think political campaigns are even better than startups. They are truly like nothing to massive companies or massive organizations in two years. Um, And I think that how political campaigns operate and how to grow them is absolutely fascinating. And I love learning in school about the different problems. I study public policy. So learning about the different problems that America faces, like from numbers and from like high level and then I get to go actually talk about those problems all summer long with people and see how it like health high healthcare costs actually um manifest for small business owners or other um I guess problems that people individual people face and I get to focus on that um organizational growth and management and that is one of the things I love um obviously winning is great um my one of my candidates this cycle won by 216 out of 22,000 votes that were cast Whoa! with midterm turnout in the area around 90%, which is like unheard of across Mm -hmm. the country. It was way lower than that. Um, And that was crazy because two years ago in 2016, the district went for a Republican and the Republican won 60% to 40%. And then we came back. And I guess there was polling in September that had us down like 12 points or like something. And they stopped. The Democrats stopped 
um, running ads in the district and stopped targeting us. And then, you know, we pulled out this teeny tiny win. And those 216 votes could have been, you know, any of the 10,000 doors I knocked last summer. So Wow, that's crazy. It's cool to see, like, an impact to all the work that you've been doing. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to move to the fire round, which I know we've both been awaiting for some time now. <laughs> yes. Um, so let's get to it. So most memorable experience at Stanford so far? I spent the fall semester in Washington, D.C. at the Stanford and Washington program, and I interned for a Democratic political consulting firm, like a real one, um, in Washington, D.C. that had partners who worked on all the Obama campaigns. And that was wow. the best experience. If you're interested in politics at Stanford at all, go to D.C. Mm. Closest mentor or professor at Stanford and how you met them? Um, David Brady is my uh, advisor. He teaches Papa 101 and we connected and then we have a very similar, very Midwestern view of democratic politics and what you're willing to compromise um, both issues wise and um, otherwise to win <laughs> in the Midwest. Um, and so I really connected with him during class. And then he was one of the visiting professors in D.C. Um, and has been a, a great role model and thought partner mm. in terms of my work. So do you guys meet often over coffee? How does that work? I come to his office maybe a couple times a quarter. We chat about life and, you know, summer plans or lack thereof. (laughs) um, In general, what's happening in the Democratic primary. Mm -hmm. um, And lots of pointed questions like, if you were the campaign manager for this candidate in this situation, like, what would you do? Mm, Um, I see. That's um, so cool. Wow. Favorite place to do work on campus? I think Catherine knows this. I basically live at the Koopa at yeah, you GSB. Do. It's a great place for uh, high productivity and um, great scouting. Yeah, they have they have good music playing. They, um, you know, the graduate school of business students just like look like they have their life together probably because they're like almost 30 or 30. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when I'm there and definitely don't have my life together, <laughs> I feel like my have my life together. Exactly. And I never run into undergrads. I know it's fantastic. Uh-huh. And I, you know, I feel like I know everybody who works there because I'm there basically every morning. <laughs> I order the same thing every time what's and I just go-to, sit there. What's your go-to order? The vanilla chai. Come on. I see. Everybody. That's mine too. Yeah. I just got one this afternoon actually right before this. <laughs> Favorite activity to de-stress on campus? I like hiking the dish. Um, Fun fact, I'm a spot leader. Wow. So I love that. Most impactful summer internship and why? Okay, so um, summer after freshman year, I interned for a nonprofit in Minneapolis. Summer after sophomore year, I worked on these campaigns. And I guess I did that the summer after senior year of high school as well. But I interned in D.C. And so my... It's not a summer internship, but my most impactful internship was at the consulting firm in D.C. Um, I got to work for the Black Economic Alliance, which is a PAC that was founded this cycle to um, help give money and support to Democrats um, who would best help black economic issues in their districts. So I got to both help with their like media strategy and press strategy. And I also got to help with um, their endorsements. So I got to like, write a lot of endorsement memos and then turn around and write press releases for when the board decided to endorse. Um, I worked for the AFSME. Um, they did an IM campaign. <laughs> AFSME is a uh, labor organization. Um, they did targeting of um, 
certain voters in certain cities across the country as a GOTV effort. Um, I And I, I work for a couple of other um, organizations that were doing interesting things. And the ability to get right hands in and help a bunch of different activist organizations at once was really um, mm. insightful. Mm-hmm. One piece of advice you give for students on campus who might want to start something, whether that be, you know, their own political campaign consulting company or running their own campaign. Yeah, I think that um, in general, I have a philosophy that everything I do outside of school is going to be way more important in my life than things that I do inside school. And I think that other founders often feel that, but most Stanford students you know, your world still revolves around schoolwork and classes and things like that. Um, and I don't know how I would have gotten through Stanford without this side project. In general, I, I think that I like learning stuff and then taking it into practice. And I don't necessarily think that I get the same experience being an, you know, unpaid intern because most political um, internships are unpaid internships on the Hill and you answer phones do some scanning, maybe shred some things and take people on tours. Mm-hmm. And so that is, you know, totally unfulfilling for most interns and most people in general. And so I think that, um, you know, if you are burned out, dissatisfied or otherwise f- feel like there's so you're learning so much and that you're forgetting it all, I think that it it's a really great opportunity to either like actually work in the summer rather than doing an internship or take some time off and get a job. Um, Some of the um, most interesting people at Stanford I know, one person took a gap year before our freshman year and went to work for Hillary Clinton um, as a field organizer in Iowa and other states. And then somebody else was a, showed up literally as a volunteer last summer for a South Carolina congressional candidate and um, said, how can I help? I'll be here every day. He decided he was interested in helping the finance so he ended up as like second in charge of uh finance on the campaign wow and now a year and a half later just signed on to be the head finance director on a different south carolina um campaign that's so cool yeah so last question where do you see lmm going and what are the next steps for maddie mcconkey so lmm was set up kind of as a one month one year thing um, it was. It's been over a year now, right? It hasn't. It hasn't <laughs> over a year. Technically, we are still open. Have not been, you know, operational since November. But um, it was set up in order for me to do a better job running and helping manage this campaign. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that it has a future. My parents are like really on board with it having a future and like me doing this full time after graduation. Um, I think that that's the kind of life that I I don't necessarily want. I think working for myself was really hard and isn't necessarily something that I um, want to do immediately after graduation. Um, but, you know, the work that I was doing on working on campaigns, working or in D.C., working for activist organizations, doing consulting, that's really a passion of mine. And so I personally will obviously continue doing that. Um, but I don't necessarily know if that will involve the company. Mm. I think anybody can start any company and get work. And, you know, part of that is like I'm able, I charge way less than a traditional consulting firm. And um, that makes it affordable for Minnesota House candidates. But, um, you know, I think any any founder setting up my business was not hard. It was $185 and I filled out two forms on the Minnesota State Government website. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
I think anybody who wants to do something should just go ahead and do it and find, you know, finding business afterwards as a Stanford student probably isn't going to be that hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't necessarily have to have the next Google idea um, or the next Facebook or I don't, I don't know. You don't need to be picked up by a VC firm right. um, to have your own business. Mm-hmm. For sure. On that note, thank you so much, Maddie, for coming in on the show today. Thanks, Kath. <laughs> Now, I hope you all enjoyed that episode. Thanks again, Maddie, for coming on the couch. I'm excited to see where she goes. We need more badass women in politics. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. If you've got any feedback, suggestions, questions, or any existential thoughts, write to me at cj98 at stanford.edu. Lastly, wherever you are listening, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Next episode, we'll be talking to the founder of digital health tech company, Conversation Health. I'm Catherine Jang, and you've been listening to The Founder's Couch. See you soon!